Hey everyone, my name is Adam and welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. At the end of today's episode, please take a minute and download our free Chestnut Ridge app. It has all our recent message content and more. You can also head to theridge.church to get information on service times and get info on everything going on here at the Ridge. We hope this podcast will encourage and inspire you as you continue to grow in your relationship with God and others. I was raised in a church that practiced a baptism by immersion for adults only or children who were old enough to understand the gospel message but also appreciate what baptism was about. We wanted the, the children to really view this as a very special occasion in their lives. And as I was growing up, uh, I thought that this was the only way people ever baptized. I was baptized when I was 12 or 13 in a baptism by immersion and I just thought that's how everybody does it. But as I got older, I found out, well, different church traditions kind of do it differently. And a lot of churches uh, baptize infants, for example. It's called paedo-baptism. And their mode of baptism is different. They sprinkle or they pour water instead of doing a baptism by immersion. It just raises the question, what are are the differences, you know? Or some churches will baptize an adult who converts to Christianity as an adult, but then they'll sprinkle that person. And then over the years, really in more recent years, I've run into more and more people who don't understand anything about baptism or they haven't been exposed to it except from like movies like the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where you got to walk into the water fully closed and come out and all excited. All of it raises the question, why? Why baptized? And why do we do it the way we do it? This morning, I wanted to mention an acrostic that we use around here to help us understand baptism and really even help you to maybe explain it to someone else if they ask you about it. It uses the word point, P-O-I-N-T, and each letter stands for a point. But baptism points to something. Baptism is not meant to be an end in itself. It is something that points to something else. But what does it point to? Let's look at each of these letters. The first one is we believe that baptism is to be a picture. That's the P in point. It's a picture. And specifically, it's a picture of a death and resurrection. A person becomes a Christian, a real Christian, at the moment in which they put their trust in Jesus, a person who died, who was then buried, and then raised again from the dead. That is is where our the focus of our faith is a person who died for our sins, died in our place for us, was buried, but then raised again from the dead, demonstrating that God the Father had accepted the payment on our behalf. We do not believe a person gets to heaven by going to church. That's where all the hypocrites are anyway, right? We don't believe it's about being good or following the example of Jesus. No, it's all about what he did for us, not what we do for him. Jesus died for us. And so when different ones are getting baptized, what they're acknowledging is when they go under the water, they're saying, I put my faith in Jesus who died for me and was buried. But then we usually bring them back up because we believe in a resurrection. Jesus rose again from the dead. And ultimately, this is what baptism is. It's a picture. And we don't think it's the thing that saves a person. To be saved means to be delivered from the penalty of your sin. We don't think baptism saves you. It's, it's more of a symbol. It's kind of like a, a wedding band is how we refer to it around here. A wedding band does not make you married. A wedding band, all it does is reveal that you are married. 
that you're taken, that you got married and now you have this symbol on your hand that shows that, and that's what baptism is. It's an outward symbol of your inward faith. But first of all, it's a picture. Second, we believe it is an opportunity to obey Christ. The O in the word point is opportunity to obey Christ. You remember that Jesus Christ, after he rose again from the dead, was with his disciples for 40 days, and, and he taught them various things, but it's surprising how little we know about what he talked about during those 40 days, except one thing. In all the Gospels and the book of Acts, or three of the Gospels and Acts, we have this thing called the Great Commission. We know that during those 40 days, Jesus conveyed one message repeatedly. And it was basically the disciples' marching orders. You see, Jesus was getting ready to return to his Father in heaven. He wanted his disciples and us to know what we were supposed to be doing in the meantime. And we read in Matthew 28 this thing called the Great Commission, beginning in verse 18, where we read, all authority, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Whenever I read this, by the way, if, if you've heard me talk before about this, you know I stop at this point every time. It's because I don't want you to miss this. This claim is remarkable. All authority in heaven and on earth. This demonstrates that he was God in the flesh, the savior of the world, the sinless one who came to die in our place and for our sin. And this is the one with all authority that gave the disciples their marching orders in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey everything I've commanded you and remember I'm with you always to the end of the age. Of course, we're not at the end of the age yet. And so we believe this applies to us. And this is what we're about as a church, making disciples. Now, the word disciple basically means a learner. That's what the Greek word means. It's a learner. And so what we're trying to do is lead people to Jesus Christ and then help them be learners of him, to follow his example, to walk in step with Jesus. But in the verses I just read, there's really only one command there, and the command is make disciples. The way you do it, according to these verses, is going baptizing, and then teaching. And so we're trying to flesh this out. We believe that when a person puts his or her faith in Jesus Christ, one of the steps that they need to take in terms of being a good disciple, a follower of Jesus, is that they obey Jesus Christ in the area of baptism. They identify with Jesus in his death, his burial, in his resurrection. And so it's an opportunity for obedience. It's a picture, an opportunity for obedience. I, we view it as an initiation the idea of a baptism by immersion was not something that Jesus introduced. Of course, John the Baptist was doing that. But even before John the Baptist, the Jewish nation would practice baptisms by immersion in what was called a mitzvah, or mitzvah, if somebody converted to Judaism. If they were like a Gentile, a non-Jew, and they converted to Judaism, they would be baptized. And then in so doing, they were saying, I, I fully identify now with the Jewish nation. And we think the same thing happens when a person becomes a Christian. You identify with Christ and his people through the waters of baptism. You remember that the church was founded 10 days after Jesus returned to his Father in heaven. The disciples were up in an upper room. It was the day of Pentecost, one of the holidays or holy days of Judaism. 
And Jews from all over the world had gathered to Jerusalem. And 120 of Jesus' disciples were up in this upper room when the Holy Spirit came down. And the church was born. And they were filled with boldness. And the text indicates that the disciples went out and there, were, there was a huge crowd there and Peter began to share the gospel. He began to preach to the crowd that had gathered. Their response was to believe, but then it says they were baptized and added to the church. In Acts 2, 41 and 42, we read, so those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It says they accepted the message, they were baptized, and then they were well, added to the church. In some ways, this was like the membership application in biblical times. Someone said, I really want to be part of the church. Well, then you need to identify with Jesus and his people by getting baptized. Fully immersed in the water is a sign of being fully immersed into Christ and his people, this new thing called the church. Fourth, we believe that baptism is a picture of the new life we have in Christ. The N in the word point points to new life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul put it there this way. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. When Jesus rose again from the dead, he rose again with a different body than he had beforehand. He had a glorified body. And we get a hint of what this glorified body was like. It's really kind of unusual. And what's encouraging for us if we're believers in Christ is that we'll also share in a similar glorified body one day. But the body that Jesus had was, was a physical body. You know, Jesus told his disciples, touch my hands. See if it's not me. Put your hands in the holes in my hands. He ate, so it was a body in which he could eat food, but at the same time, he just showed up in rooms, which I think would be a blast. It would be kind of fun to be able, just to be able to go through, break the laws of physics or whatever. I mean, he had this amazing, new, glorified body. But this is a little bit of a picture of what happens when a person becomes a Christian. If anyone is in Jesus Christ, they put their trust in him, they become a new creation, something brand new that God creates. Old things are passed away, new things have come. How are we new? Well, our sins are forgiven in that moment we put our trust in Christ. We're adopted into God's family, we become children of God forgiven ones. Our sins are wiped away, we are adopted into the church which is called the body of Christ. But mostly the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He begins to change us from the inside out. We begin to change. In Romans chapter 6, the apostle Paul made an analogy related to baptism. And he talked about how baptism should be a picture of our new life. And in a sense, when people go under the water of baptism, what they're saying is, I am, I am dead to what I was before Jesus. In, in terms of the the way I lived my life, in terms of things that are inconsistent with the Christian life. You say, I'm just dead to those things. My old life, my old way of living, whatever it was, it's inconsistent with what it means to be a Christian. All of that is buried with Christ. But when you come out of the water, you're saying, now I'm living for Jesus. And so you heard that in a number of the stories. 
or people talked about the fact that they put their faith in Christ and now they want to live for him. Now they want to serve him. And baptism, again, is a picture. It's a new start, a new life. And then finally, the last letter in the word point is testimony. We believe baptism is a testimony of our faith. I don't tend to use the word testimony. It's kind of a a little bit of an old-fashioned word, I guess, because I was raised in a context where a minister or somebody would say, does anybody have a testimony? I won't ask if you were raised in a church like that, but, but people would stand up and they would share something about what God did for them to everybody else, and it was very encouraging. Well, baptism is what this is. You know, when you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's a transaction that takes place in your heart. We can't see it. Only God can see it, but in your heart, you acknowledge, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. You reach out to Jesus, He saves you. But baptism is a way to go public with your faith, to tell other people that I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. He's the one that's making the difference. He has changed me. And so it's a testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. And so we think baptism points to some things. We think it's a picture of a death and resurrection. We believe it's a step of obedience, an opportunity to obey Jesus Christ. We believe it's an initiation into the church. We believe it's an indication or an illustration of the new life that we have in Christ. And then it's an opportunity to be a testimony or have a testimony to those who gather and those who watch. Now, what do we do with this? Well, I want to mention a few things. First, if, if you're already a believer here today, then we celebrate this. You know, when we do these baptisms, it's just a celebration to welcome people. You know, they put their faith in Christ and they're part of this family of God now. But there are some of you, perhaps, who are Christians, but you've never taken that step. And so maybe that's the step you want to take. You look at the example of these others and you say, you know, I've never done that. And I put my faith in Christ, but I've never gone public with my faith through baptism. And so we want to invite you to consider that step. Now, I realize that there are questions. Some of you are just being exposed to this. You say, I don't know what to do with it. Maybe you have a question, for example, about if you were baptized as an infant. You know, do you need to be baptized again? Uh, We view this baptism as a different kind of baptism. We're not trying to negate whatever happened when you're a child, but as an adult, this is called believer's baptism. You put your faith in Christ, and now you're baptized through Christ and identifying with Christ. And so we invite you to do it. But you may have other questions that you can ask us about, about by going on our website. And then finally, there might be some of you here today that we're hoping that the testimony of some of these speaks to your heart. And you realize, I don't know if I know Jesus Christ And we want to invite you then to put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's really a simple thing to realize that you have a need. A need you can't fix. I can't solve the the issue that I'm a sinner. I can't fix that. I could try, but I can't can't fix it. Standard's too high. I can't save myself. I need a savior, a deliverer. And we put our trust in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him, whoever makes the risen Lord Jesus Christ the object of their trust, they receive the free gift of eternal life. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.